Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly Green Juice Murgatroyd, what swamp water do you have in that glass right there this morning? I love looking at your swamp water and going, I guess that would make me healthier, but it doesn't seem worth it. What okay. do you got going there? Taste it. Okay. It's moringa. It is. If you ask mm. Alexa, she says it's the most nutritious plant on the planet. Actually, I feel like um, I am uh, in... A, uh, I feel like I'm in, I, I've never been, but I feel like I'm in Costa Rica in the morning. Yeah, I, this. so this one is Moringa and it has um, some gut health stuff in it. And it's- By the way, isn't the, the word gut the worst word in the world? No, I, you can like think, I, can, I didn't say I like it, but mm. it's not the worst in the world. I can think of worser. Yeah, I can, think, I can think of worsery too. And speaking of worsery, um, last our night- Our birds are back. <clears throat> our birds are back, yeah. Last night we have this Hi, we have this little bird feeder out there and the little birds come and they feed off of the birth, the birth feeder, <laughs> the bird feeder. And then every now and again, a big giant ass fucking blue jay will do a drive-by and like make them get off the thing. It's survival of the fittest. It's uh, it's it bothers me. It's, it's the animal planet, and then you get the squirrel that comes up. But that's not what we're talking about today. It is we are, not. We are talking about how we watched the finale, the series finale of Shit's Creek. And if you have not watched Shit's Creek, it's it's worth a binge. But we watched it last night, and it triggered something in you, uh, Robert Victor Anthony Murgatroyd. You want to tell them what it is? 
Yeah, well, so first of all, for context, um, Schitt's Creek is a Canadian show. It's the little show that uh, never never thought it was going to, nobody ever thought it was going to be anything. And it's um, with Eugene Levy. He was the, guy, the dad in American Pie um, and his wife, uh, I can't remember, something O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara, I think. And uh, she was the mom in, um, which movie was it? Do you remember? Oh, Beetlejuice. In Beetlejuice. Okay. So that'll give you, and then Eugene Levy's son and daughter are also in it. So concept of the show, I watched one episode of it and I said, this isn't for me. And then my friend Darren convinced me that I need to watch it. So here's why we're bringing this show up tonight. In the first episode, Eugene Levy and his family are fabulously wealthy. Like you know, hundreds and hundreds they owned of- the, Basically the equivalent of Blockbuster. Right, at the peak of Blockbuster. So they were worth hundreds of bazillions and they were living a life in a mansion that was uh, very- Par- Opulent. Pa- very Paris Hilton-y, right? Um, they were very separated from each other. They were very focused on material possessions. And then one day there was a bad investment that was made. Federal agents come in and they literally take the paintings off the wall. They have nothing. Now, as a joke, because he had so much money, the father, as a joke, had invested and bought this town called Schitt's Creek, S-C-H-I-T-T-S. Um, and... The attorney said, you have no assets, but because you put this one asset in your son's name, you actually own this town. And he, they had no place else to go but to this town. And there's nothing in the town except for a rundown motel. So the family moves into this one, this two uh, adjoining bedroom hotel, motel room. Over six years, you're watching how this family navigates, not knowing each other at all, into slowly falling in love with each other and learning how to be a family and learning more, moreover how to be a human being and operate in the world because the people in the town, um, the, the characters are, are deep and rich and interesting, but they were so separate initially from those characters that they slowly found themselves falling in love with the town and the characters and learning about who they were. It was a story of massive loss followed by massive growth, mostly against their will initially. <laughs> but by the end, it was it was phenomenal. And the reason we're talking about this today is because a lot of people have gone through different things in their life, maybe their life, their business, their family, their marriage, their finances, where they've experienced some sort of incredible loss. And a lot of people are actually experiencing that right now. Many people are going through an incredible loss in their life right now in one way or another. And what we wanted to talk today about, I believe, Robert Victor Anthony, is how that can create that loss, that perceived loss can actually be a course correction into a better place. I would actually actually take it a step further. And I would say that in watching the closing last night, it hit me that very often we have our ladder that we're trying to climb leaning against the wrong house or building. And what I mean by that is 
you know, you're going through life and it, you know, in their case, it looks great, right? They're, they're rich and they have an incredible home and, you know, they're traveling, traveling around the world in private jets, but deep inside they're empty. And the only way that that pattern was going to get interrupted, the only way that they were going to make a change that would allow them to leave this planet feeling soulful and fulfilled is if the world around them came crashing in. And it's almost like, I remember being a kid and looking at an ant and watching an ant, you know, just walk across, you know, the sidewalk. And then it took like an hour. And then somebody, you know, you'd pick the ant up and you move them back and it would take them like forever. And it's almost like when this tragedy happens, the universe picks you up and brings you back to where you were when you started so that you can do it again. But this time when you do it, you can do it the right way, the moral, ethical, legal, kinder way. And at the end of the episode, they were given opportunities to go back because he, I don't want to give this a spoiler alert, but they they had an opportunity to let's say, reset their life again. Or go back to where their life was. Or go back to where their life was. And some of them made radically different decisions that they would have never made prior to this happening. So with that as a lens, think about some of the worst tragedies that you've had. And I'm putting tragedies in quotes. You know, there's a, there's a line in, the, in a, Garth, a Garth Brooks song um, that says, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? So think about the tragedy that you've had in your life. Think about the thing that you had in your life that you're like, fuck, like I did not want this to happen. The divorce, the business loss, the bankruptcy, the, 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 the difficult years with a child, you know, teenage years, et cetera. And then look at what came out of that contrast. Look at what came out of that, that, those difficult circumstances. I would bet that nobody wants the cancer, nobody wants the bankruptcy, but very often when you talk to somebody who's had cancer or a bankruptcy, they'll say something that is shocking. And that is, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Because there is something that made you realize what you had, made you make a change, made you look into something a bit differently than the way you were looking at it or the way you were taking it for granted or the way that you weren't, you know, appreciating it. So if you're in a situation now where you're going through something, consider that what you're going through may be just the exact thing that you need. And if you just hang on, you'll be out of the turbulence before you know it. So, you know, we talk a lot about Esther and uh, Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks. And the phrase that we use now daily and have for a really long time, it seems like, is everything is always working out for, for us. Everything is always working out for us. That doesn't mean that everything is perfect in life. That means that everything is always working out for us. So if your marriage is ending, it's working out for you. Not to you. Not to you. It's working out it's not for happening you. to you. Because there is something on the other side that will be better. When one door closes, the next one opens, right? And a lot of people confuse not wanting, not 
when someone says there's a silver lining with not being able to feel the emotion or like that, not everything has to have a silver lining. We did a podcast on that. And that's not what we're saying. It What we're saying is feel the emotion of what you're going through. See it as the contrast that it is though for what you want. If you are in a marriage where you're two ships sailing, maybe you're best friends, but you're not in love. Maybe you're there because it's comfortable or it's financially comfortable, but it's kind of ending. Instead of resisting it, maybe try leaning into it and going the, the road less traveled and seeing it as the blessing that it could possibly be for you. Or if, I mean, I remember, okay, so years ago, this is uh, BR before Rob. You like that? BR. BR before Rob. So before Rob, I uh, got married for about 13 seconds and I worked with my spouse for of 13 seconds. I worked with my 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 other half. And when we divorced, guess what? Really hard to work with your spouse after you have a divorce, especially if it's not a really amicable one. So I got fired. Literally went, signed papers. We had an agreement that we were going to try to work together. And the next day I was fired. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I took the next step. And I remember, I can't remember who it was that said it to me, but somebody was, this is a blessing. This was never going to work out. There's no way you were going to work together. It seemed like, it's kind of like Rob, when I said I was going to have a baby and then come back to the clinic and work in the clinic with my baby. Mm. It's this very like, you know, I'm always trying to make the best of things. And so I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. But chances are, it wasn't going to work out that way. And me getting fired and becoming my own boss was forcibly becoming my own boss was the best thing for me because I could say when I wanted to go to work, say when I wanted to go home, I could quote my own prices, I could do anything I wanted and work anywhere I wanted. And it gave me my uh, a fresh perspective on being an entrepreneur. So was it painful and scary and all the things? Absolutely. But it forced me into a different decision that ended up being way better for my life. And honestly, it's how you and I were able to connect and what led me to you. You know, you're making me think of something. Um, there is a, uh, a it, I think it's in the I'm Not Your Guru Netflix series um, that Tony Robbins did. It's either in that one or one of the couples ones. But, you know, Tony does these interventions where people stand up and they they say different things. And there was one guy, Tony is the only guy I know that can walk into, you know, a room as big as Madison Square or a venue as big as Madison Square Garden and say, does anybody really want to kill themselves? Please, please, please stand up. Like not kind of want to kill yourself. Like tonight you're going to do it. Like it's crazy balls to do that. And he's doing this as an intervention. So one of the guys raises his hand. And when you watch it, you're like, oh shit, this guy is absolutely committed to killing himself. And the, 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 the shorter, the shortest version I can give you is that he was a financial guy that took on a lot of money from his family supposed to invest it, 
did invest it and lost all of it. Like he lost his mother-in-law's money, his brother-in-law's money. It was like a, it was a thing. So he was plotting how he was going to get a gun and kill himself so that he can get the money for, uh, from the insurance and pay them back, right? That was his, that was his plan. And I remember in that moment where he said, if there's, any other thing that could have happened to me, I could have dealt with it, but not this. And Tony said, because you got exactly what you needed to grow. And it was one of those things where I thought about in my life, I'm like, God, if fucking anything else were to happen, but this thing, like this is tearing my life up. This is killing me. And it triggered me to say, well, if it was anything else, it wouldn't have worked. So you got exactly what you need, the pain points to make the shift, to make it work. So if you're in a situation now where you're like, if there was any other way that I could have had something happen, but this, know that it wouldn't have worked if you didn't get that. But here's the thing. We both know, and I think we could, we're not gonna say the name, but we both know people in our life that keep getting the lesson and then the elevated version of it and the elevated version. Like first you get the, the tap on the shoulder, then you get like the punch in the arm, then you get the frying pan across the face. Like there are people we know that do not learn the lesson. And so the lesson gets bigger and bolder and harder. And they wonder why they keep getting that same lesson. And don't be that person. So we all have some area of our life that we are that person. It might not be a really big area. Like I have, we, Rob and I jointly know someone who has relationship issues and carries over into the next relationship and they get worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's kind of like this person is not destined to learn this lesson in this lifetime <laughs> at this point because it's never, it, it just seemingly isn't gonna happen but we have small micro areas of our life that we are avoiding learning those lessons for one reason or another. And the chances are your, your gut probably has nudged you and told you that this needs a shift in your life, that you need to do something a little bit different than what you're currently doing. And we ignore it and we ignore it and we ignore it. You have to bring those things to the surface, maybe through meditation, maybe through journaling, maybe through making like an honest list of what are the nudges that you are getting that you're too scared to act on. I know that I've had them in my life for sure. These really scary nudges, maybe it's a change in career, maybe it's something just a change in health. Maybe it's something you're doing like Rob and I haven't had wine for 48 hours and I'm pretty sure it's two years that we've probably had a glass of wine every single night for two years. Yeah, It's comical to say, but it's true because it's, it's a habit and it's part of our lifestyle. And we said, okay, we're gonna, after this Cabo trip, we were like, okay, the liver needs a break. So we are going to not have as much alcohol. And now we're, we're 48 hours in and Rob looks down at his whoop and he's like, oh my gosh, my HRV and mine too, we, it has skyrocketed. Like our health, literally, technically, that's being tracked is increasing just after 48 hours of not having a drink 
for just two days. And it's pretty funny. And we've done it before where we get ready for shows and we go 90 days without alcohol. So we know we can do it. It's just, we don't want to do it. (laughs) We like it. But I think you and I have both been nudged multiple times that this is the way that we oh, should I wasn't, be. I wasn't nudged. I was dragging my head out of the bed in the morning going, this fog is cannot be good. And then when you have a metric that measures it and you look and you go, okay, well, if, for those of you that don't know what a whoop is, it measures all these different metrics. Uh, it's, a, it's a wearable, like a Fitbit. And there are certain key metrics that will just tell you how your recovery is, what your heart rate is, what your um, what your heart rate variability, which is the space in between the beats, how much sleep you got, and all these different things, right? So, it, so you have solid your recovery. Metrics, your recovery. So it would wake up. You're 38 percent recovered. You're 56 percent recovered, and then boom, pulled uh, two days of alcohol out, and I went to miraculously 94 percent recovered. And I have to say, as much as I fucking hate to say it, it's probably the clearest my head has been waking up uh, the next morning. In so, a while. So, so it's, the point is to listen to these small, small nudges, big nudges in all the areas of your life and to allow and welcome the contrast that can possibly lead to the course correction that you're most likely praying for. Yeah, I'll leave you with this. It's... V- I, I, I've come to the conclusion that life is not about absolutes. It's just not. Like there was one of the guys I was talking to, my friend Jonathan. He won't mind me sharing. I know he won't. He just lost uh, 30 pounds and uh, and clicking along. And I was like, well, what, what, what made the change for you? Like, how did you do it? He said, I just fucking got tired of it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I was working out. I was getting my testosterone shots. And I, you know, I had a personal trainer. I was like, what's wrong? Nothing's working. And I just got honest with myself. And I was like, I, like, I just need to dial in. Like, this is him listening to him. I just need to dial in a little bit more and be a little bit more intentional. When I'm doing the cardio, do it with the intensity I should. During the week, cut back on the alcohol. When I'm eating, don't have two helpings. Like, it was like all these little tweaks that created momentum. And then one day he woke up and he saw that he dropped, it was like a three, four, five pound weight loss seemingly in like a day. And he saw his face and then somebody was thinner and somebody said, "Um, dude, you look good, you're losing weight. And that was all he needed to shift the momentum into the opposite direction. But what he said was, "I'm I'm not an all or nothing type of guy. Whenever I go into absolutes where I'm only going to do this or only going to do that, he said, I always fail. He said, now, like, you know, he was with us um, over the the mastermind. Now, if I want to have, you know, a piece of cake here, a piece of cake there, I'll have it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a problem with that. Or if I want to have a glass of wine here and I will, I'm just not going to go crazy. So if you have something in your life where you feel like you need to make a change, don't feel like you got to go completely nuts. Just listen to your body, listen to your mind. And if it's telling you to dial back, then dial back. If it's telling you to push forward, then push forward. And that's, and so to take this back to where this all started with Shit's Creek and the course correction, right? So obviously that, that series is a massive life course correction that was necessary for someone to grow. So I think- what you did, Rob, on the first night of the Cabo trip, where you asked everybody to rank the areas of their life, I think that's a good place for people to start to see where their course correction is needed. 
And by taking an inventory in your business, in your finances, in your health, in your relationship, in your family life, all the areas, spirituality, rate them one to 10, and then see where the problems are. See where you're getting the contrast. Figure out, I'm getting the contrast in this one area. Have I had this contrast before? Does it keep coming? Does it keep coming stronger? Be like an investigator in your own life. And instead of just saying, well, playing the victim card and I I never get good relationships. I never get good contracts. This things don't, don't work out for me. You know, instead of being the victim, pull your big girl panties on, pull your big boy panties on, whatever it is. Do you wear panties? No, free balling. Free balling. Okay, nice. So pull your balls up and say, I am going to investigate all the areas of my life and see where am I getting repeated lessons that I'm not learning? And what is it going to take for me to learn it? Do I want to listen to the nudge or do I want to wait for the frying pan? And accept that this could be a course correction for you and go all in on it. Well, that's it, everybody. And one of the ways that you can communicate with us is to follow us on our... Um, on by our, texting us. Uh, by text, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm looking for the phone number because I don't know what the hell the phone number is. Do you know that our text phone number? Yeah, I do. You can text us at 310-388-9724 and just shoot us a message. Say, hi, hi, Rob, free baller. It's nice to meet you. My name is Sally. It's our favorite way to communicate because you know when you when you put something on the on the Facebook or Instagram, it's just kind of a post. But think about when you get a text, right? You it pops up on your phone. You look at it. You answer it. So it is our favorite, most preferred way to communicate with you. So if you've got something on your minds, you know what do we have to do? Like just send us a message. We're looking to talk to somebody, right? I mean, we have bored. Yeah. We're bored. I got nothing going on. That's it, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.